know how it is. Hit it. Promise you, swear, I swear. Spit it. Yo. Percocet. Miley Percocet. Percocet. Miley Percocet. Represent. Gotta represent. Chase a chick. Never chase a bitch. Hello and welcome to the Unmasked Podcast, where we are here to talk about all things Mr. Robot. This is at Celine, and I am joined by two lovelies, the lovely Southern Cynic and Akira. Say hello, ladies. Hello. Hi. Hey, everybody. Uh, sorry, sorry, just jumping in on your introduction. Hi, um, this is Akira. Um, you also probably know me as Hello Friend, but super excited for this podcast that's happening. Yes. So let's talk about, I want to just say really quickly how this started. Um, I have done a podcast in the past with Brothers Comics, and we finished up our podcast. And he said, you need to do a podcast for the summer. And I said, oh, I'll do Mr. Robot because that is my summer pleasure. And I know the perfect lady to podcast with me who is Miss Southern Cynic. And she recommended Akira, also known as at HelloFriend1 on the Twitters. And then those two ladies informed me, hey, Mr. Robot isn't coming back till October. And I was like, what? <laughs> And so then we decided that we would do a rewatch of season two this summer to get geared up for October. So, ladies, let's just start. What have what have been your general thoughts, Southern Cynic, about Mr. Robot? I know you love it, but just tell me what your thoughts were when you were watching, like, season one for the first time. I was completely blown away. First, that it was on USA, and USA produced something with this kind of quality. It just blew my mind. But um, with the show, it's just hard to describe. It's it's not like anything else on television right now. Now, I know people like Homeland and um, Rule 24 that went away, and but it just it doesn't compare to anything else that I've seen on television. I would dare say in the last ten years. Yeah, definitely. What do you think, Akira? Um, well, when Mr. Robot came around, um, I remember seeing the the trailers for it on TV and thinking, okay, this looks like something I probably could get into. I'll just wait for it to premiere and go ahead and give it a whirl. And uh sat down and watched it within the um, week that it premiered. And within the first five minutes, I just knew, yeah, this is something I need to keep watching because <laughs> – I mean, I don't think that in my whole lifetime of watching TV, there's never been any show that grabbed me within the first five minutes and made me think, I'm going to stick with this show no matter what. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for most other shows, I need uh, I need to get through, like, the whole pilot, and if not the pilot, then maybe the first two, three episodes. But um, And to piggyback on what Southern Senate was saying, there's just nothing like this on TV. I think that this is a show that's in a league of its own, and – definitely taking so many chances, especially with USA, that blew a lot of people away that, wait a minute, this is on USA. And um, just definitely up there with some of the best shows that I've ever watched on TV and just a fan and always looking forward to what's going to happen next. Definitely. I know I'm, I was like you two ladies. Of course I heard the buzz about Mr. Robot through Twitter 
And um, the first episode, it's like, okay, I'll sit here, I'll live tweet this episode. And I remember I was at my in-laws and I was watching alone in their basement. And I kept looking around like, is this really happening on this show? Like, I can't believe that this is what I'm watching, but it's so enthralling right from the get-go, the fact that you kind of, you just don't know what's happening and you're okay with that. Um, And Southern Cynic, you're absolutely right when you said it's so hard to describe because just yesterday um, I was at work and I was talking about this podcast and one of the ladies said, oh, I don't, I've never heard of Mr. Robot. Can you tell me what it is? And I was like, I kind of can tell you what it is, but I can't because I don't want to spoil anything for you. So just watch it. It's really, really good. So, you know, I think I really commend the writers on the show because I think it's hard to stay at the level that they're at with Mr. Robot. Like first season was great. Second season was amazing. So I'm just really looking forward to season three because it's like, how can you top what you've already done? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, (laughs) season three, I am just, I'm ready for it. But at the same time, I can be patient and wait for it because, I mean, with this type of show, there's so much being thrown at you and there's always so many questions that you have. So for me, it constantly warrants me having to go back and rewatch an episode who knows how many times because there's always something new to find and there's always a different perspective to things. So, um, and, there's, and plus there's also talking to the fans out there about their theories and where they think things are going and their analysis of this scene or this character. Um, the fact that there's so many layers to not just the story, but the characters. Um, I mean, there's always something for you to go back and rediscover. So, I mean, I'm all for the rewatches and just ready to just have my mind be blown away again for season three. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely true like Southern Cynic you were saying like you watch an episode like three times and you start getting all in your head with theories and stuff like that I am just kind of a visceral just experiencing the the episodes experiencing the series because every time I try to figure something out it's so off that I don't even try that much anymore I'm just experiencing it organically, as as one might say. But I am excited for this rewatch because you're absolutely right. Now that when you do watch an episode, you know, again, especially now since we've kind of, we know the whole story arc. And just for people listening, we are not going to um, worry about spoiling the episodes or spoiling the series for you for season two because We're hoping if you're listening, you've watched it already. If you have not, you should stop listening now. That is your one warning. Okay, so let's dig into this episode because we could just talk and convey about this show all night. So we're going to start with um, episode one. The title of this one is Unmask, which is where um, Akira recommended our our podcast name. So thank you for that, ma'am. Um, so we start the episode, and what we're calling the segment flashbacks, because we kind of start um, the beginning of the episode where the last season ended. Um, they've had the 5-9 attack. We see Tyrell and Elliot together, and this is kind of our first time really seeing them interacting 
um, at this level together. So what did you ladies think, Akira, what did you think when you saw them at the arcade interacting and we, we know that they've been working together the, the whole series, basically? Well, I mean, it was really, I loved actually being able to get that flashback to um, kind of actually have a visual to go with whatever I was imagining in my mind because in season one, we did not get to see the hack actually happen. So for this to see that, that was actually really satisfying to see. And you're just getting to see, okay, how much involved Tyrell was um, and seeing Elliot just once again kind of go into this fog of just in the zone of going into the hack and just making everything all happen. So to actually get that satisfaction of seeing the hack go into play um, was, as a viewer, satisfying. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much my take on that particular scene thus far. What did you think, Southern Senate? Well, for me, it kind of threw me for a loop because I was expecting us to find out who was knocking at the door. That that mm-hmm. would be um, scene for, you know, the first episode of the second season. And then I started watching it, and I was like, oh, they're setting something up here. Why are we just focused on Tyrell and, oh, Elliot's going for the gun. What's going to happen? And then you don't see Tyrell for the rest of the season. It was it just felt like a setup to me. But mm-hmm. um, I, I, I enjoyed the flashback, just seeing him <clears throat> marvel over Elliot's little uh, uh, sitting at his computer, you know, putting in these keystrokes here. And um, I'm sorry, I'm trying to jump back and look at my notes. Uh, I don't know, but the, the, the whole arcade scene, um, I enjoyed that and seeing Tyrell wearing a mask and calling I know. <laughs> speaking speaking of keystrokes, did you guys like pause the pause your yeah. recording when Ellis <laughs> read the computer screen? <laughs> So yeah, when he, most definitely. Um, so, character's there, and I was like, oh. I mean, knowing what we know later on in the season, is he is he setting up, you know, this for later on? But it started reading it, and it didn't seem to loop back to that. So, I don't well, know. Well, he had, like, two screens open, because remember when Tyrell walked over to him, he closes one of the screens really quickly. And the right. one that he closes, it appeared to be like he was um, – talking to the Dark Army or talking to White Rose, and it sounded like they were talking about the honeypot. Um, mm-hmm. And they were talking about the timeline with that, that um, Elliot was was um, speeding up the timeline. So I didn't know if Elliot was, like, already regretting the hack or maybe trying to stop the hack. I, I'm not a coder. I'm not a computer whiz. So like you, I'm just – looking and hoping to understand something. What what did you think about that when you paused on the computer screen? Or was I the only one who did that? No. Um, with this show, I mean, with this show, I definitely find myself having to go back and just pause at certain moments, especially with computer screens, um, just to see what communication is going on. Um, so that was also one thing that um, I did note as well, that, oh, okay, they're, you know, the Dark Army is communicating that well, okay, we weren't set to go until such and such time, but if you want to speed it up now, okay, that's fine. Um, And then also, I mean, thinking back on it now, I mean, it is kind of interesting that we see Elliot 
in this particular moment, want, you know, wanting to go ahead and speed up the process and have the hack happen now. And as an interesting contrast to where we go, uh, where we find Elliot in the season finale. So I just thought that that was kind of interesting. Just, uh, I guess we could say just the position and, um, you know, character, uh, character development there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was especially interesting with the time frame because, especially knowing how White Rose is with time, time everything yeah. has to be by a certain time. So I found it very interesting that that was one of the instances, one of the instances where um, White Rose happens to make an exception. So um, that's a good point. I, I hadn't even thought about that. I hadn't even thought about that. It, was it White Rose doing that, or did Tyrell coming into the picture cause them to have to speed up the timeline? We had to get permission to do it. Well, you know, I have a, I have another thought about that whole scene as well because. At the time, so at this time, we know that Mr. Robot and Elliot are are the same person, that Mr. Robot is a personality within Elliot. So I'm wondering if during that scene that was actually Mr. Robot in control of Elliot's body and not Elliot, and they just didn't show us um, Mr. Robot because mm-hmm. later when we start to talk about um, where Elliot is now, he has no memory of what happened to Tyrell. So I was kind of questioning to myself, was Elliot aware of that whole exchange at all? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I, and, I tend to see that he was Mr. Robot as well um, within that time. So, because like he said, um, and even discovering, having moments throughout the, throughout the season where he goes into um, where Mr. Robot completely takes over and Elliot comes out of it and he has completely has no memory of what happened. Um, so, and then as far as Tyrell and his involvement, um, remembering back to season, um, towards the end of season one, there was um, that scene between him and Gideon and he's finding out about the honeypot and he's going in, going into his computer and trying to configure a few things. So, um, so there's also that question there as to how far, you know, um, obviously, as some obviously he was involved, but then also I guess Elliot having his um, changes, uh, moods going going between Elliot and Mister Robot, kind of pushing him off on the wayside and not letting him be as involved as he thought he was going to be. Because as he says, mm-hmm. you know, we were supposed to be partners in this whole thing. Um, so yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, definitely with that as well. I mean, um, Elliot was in a situation where he definitely realizes that you can't really push Tyrell out because he, in the end, was the one to get on the phone with James and have them escalate the removal of the honeypot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, Southern Cynic, we're going to talk about the second flashback at the beginning of episode one, and we get to see Elliot as a little boy. And um, in season one, there's this scene with Mr. Robot and Elliot sitting on the pier, and he's talking about um, this time when he's a child and um, his dad pushes him out of a window. And we get to actually see that happen in the flashback. We see him in the um, hospital, the aftermath of this, this exchange between his mother and his father. What were your thoughts on that? My poor baby. <laughs> but um, I was 
this show is so crazy. It'll have you focusing on things that probably have nothing to do with the actual story. But I was listening to the doctor talk to the parents about his diagnosis, and he was saying things like, everything appears to be normal. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, he's right. It, it it may look normal to us, but it's not. Something's definitely going on here. But um, I, I just, with Elliot's mom, that stood out to me too, because did we really get anything from her from season one besides those little tiny, they weren't flashbacks. They were basically, I guess, visions in his head of how she behaved mm-hmm. towards the way she was talking, you know, your son is there. He fell out the window. He could have died and broke his neck. He broke his arm, and you're concerned about how much is this going to cost us. Yeah, that was, like, the, the thing that stuck out with me, too, was, like, there was no concern about Elliot. She was concerned. Like, when he actually fell out of the window, she was talking about the neighbors, like the neighbors are going to see. Like, she was more concerned about how they would be perceived than the fact that, Elliot is bleeding on the ground. And you're absolutely right. When they were at the the hospital, she was concerned about how are we going to pay for this, et cetera. And I've been thinking more about his mother because we see these allusions to her. But is she alive? Is she dead? Do we know? Do we know, Akira? Well, also one other thing I wanted to bring up about his mom and within that flashback, um, is one thing that she kept saying and screaming um, was also when um, uh, Mr. Robot, as a uh, well, let's go ahead and call him Edward. There, um, he's say, apologizing for pushing Elliot out the window, saying that it was an accident, and then she keeps screaming back at him. There, you know, there are no accidents. You know, yeah. like God says, there is no such thing as accident. So, um, yeah. so that so her constant use of religion right there. And that, um, which is something that also stuck out to me as well, especially rewatching this again and seeing um, once Elliot goes into his routine and he ends up going to a religious group. So I guess also, mm. again, um, kind of tying Yeah, just kind of tying everything back to his mom. But, um, but yeah, but also I think that with his mom and the way that she was and also knowing what Elliot does um, for him to kind of, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Uh, persevere or just a kind of self-preservation, I guess. Um, how he goes back, how he just, ref- you know, uses his mom, uses his mom, uses his mom to kind of deal and cope with the aftermath of that rough, of him, rough, of him re- realizing that he is Mr. Robot. So he goes back to his mom. So um, I think that kind of cold and off off-putting nature, um, I think was just him, I, you know, again, the extra coping mechanism that, you know, not only is she the strictest person that he knows, but she's also kind of the strict by the book, off-putting, like not letting anything phase you, not really letting any emotions type of get, get in the way. It's like mm-hmm. kind of just cold and distant still, pretty much for what we continue to get from her. Um, but again, just an extra layer to her character as well, um, even though we we only get so much of her. Yeah, so many questions. The, the other thing I thought about was when we were seeing the doctor talking to Elliot when he kindly invited the parents to get out. Um, you know, he's talking to Elliot, and you kind of see Elliot sitting there, and I, and I was thinking to myself, 
um, is that like the moment he started to disassociate? You know, mm-hmm. like did he have a traumatic brain injury or was that the moment where he started to create this extra um, person or this extra personality within him because, like you were saying, he couldn't cope. And I also, I always kind of wonder who else is living inside of Elliot. Is there anybody else in there that we might meet with him? So um, um, I can't. More personalities. One is enough. <laughs> Yeah, I remember so many people were going around with that uh, towards the end of season one when they were wondering, is Tyrell one of these extra personalities? Yes, person is that person. So so I'm definitely with Southern Cynic, and when I say Mr. Robot is more than enough. Um, so we, but yeah, so we also, don't we don't want like a Sybil situation. You remember that old movie from like the seventies with Sally Field, oh, yeah. and she played Sybil, <laughs> and she had like what a hundred personalities or something. Oh, so we yeah, we don't no. want to we don't want a Sybil situation up in here. Okay, we're no. gonna keep moving forward. We're gonna keep moving forward. So we have that, and then we see Elliot, and he's in bed, and he wakes up, and he is at his mom's house we'll say. And um, we're, I'm calling this a daydream in blue because that was the song that was playing um, during that sequence with Elliot where we get to meet Leon, we get to meet hot Carla and um, see what Elliot has been up to. So of course, I feel like anytime you see Elliot, you have to just take for granted that what's happening isn't really happening probably so, um, Akira, what did you think when you saw, when we first see Elliot in this Unmasked episode? Um, well, definitely that something was off with him. Um, and again, like you were saying, just knowing that, okay, can we really trust what he is showing us? Um, mm-hmm. And when he wakes up and he gets, and he goes into this really rigid routine, um, on one aspect, we can buy that because, you know, thinking back to when he was in season one with this whole uh, spiel about how he does morphine and he mm-hmm. uh, takes it with suboxone to make sure. So he does. So we know that he is capable of having that really regimen um, mind uh, body control, just going into that type of um, constant loop or whatever regimen that keeps him on track. Um, but again, at the same time, we have to remember that this is Elliot, and knowing what we knew of season one, that Mr. Robot wasn't real, so it's like, you're just like, okay, so what else is not real? Or who else is not real? <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I mean, I just remember getting the pumped and seeing, all right, we are getting started as soon as the uh, title card goes across. But um, <laughs> But then it was like, all right, all right, like, all right, can't get too pumped, I gotta focus here. All right, so let's sit here and take in all the details, the scenery, uh, the characters, um, music that's being used, you know, basically so many things at our disposal to really sit down and dissect what we are being shown and get some ideas for what is about to come. Yeah. What did you think, Southern Cynic? Well, I think the music choice basically told us what we could expect. This is all a daydream. Mm-hmm. Old false. Um, memories that he's putting out but um, that uh, first shout out to um, is it Matt McQuail I always get names wrong uh, who, who does the, the music for this show well Matt McQuail does the um, com- 
is the composer of the show. And uh, as far as other musical choices, I know that Sam and another colleague, I cannot remember uh, that colleague's name right now, but uh, Sam also has a say in what music choice, what music selections are chosen for um, throughout the show. Um, yeah, the music, is, they're always hitting on the right beat. But um, mm-hmm. the the whole sequence, I, you just felt like something was a little off. Okay, because when did we see Elliot doing dishes and laundry? And yeah. Actually yeah. eating at this lunch and dinner and noting the yeah. time. I can't time stamps for everything. I think the only thing we ever saw him have in the last season was, what, cold french fries from McDonald's or something? It, yeah. it, you knew something was just not off, was not right. And with his mom being there, that was the red flag instantly. Like, why would he go back to her? Especially if you if you read the book, why would he ever go back to her? I, and I don't care about the, you know, better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Still, I just, I couldn't imagine he would want to put himself in that situation, even if it was, you know, in his head to save himself. And doing something yeah. worse, you know. But um, oh my God, hot Carla! I, I just want her to be my friend, you know. <laughs> burn things down, you know. We could, you know, burn down the patriarchy. We could, you know, burn down this fascist administration and everything. Just hot Carla would be an awesome friend, I think. You know. Yeah. Um, hot yeah. Carla for president. So yeah. my my first clue, of course, that it wasn't real was the fact that. Leon, That's the fact that he's yes. eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner with Leon, the fact mm-hmm. that he's spending so much time with a person, I was like, is and Leon have- real? Like, my first thought was, is Leon real, was, of course, my first thought. And then when we see his mom, I'm just questioning every single thing. And you kind of, you just alluded to it, but we see the introduction of his journal um, which is titled The Red Wheelbarrow. Now, I know you two ladies, do you both have the book, the physical book? Yes. Yes. And um, you both, and I've just been listening listening to it on Audible. Did you, did you guys listen to it on Audible as well, or did you just read it? Uh, I did a mixture of both. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you both. So I've just solely been listening to it on Audible, and the person who has voice acting it on Audible is just, I think, amazing. What um, I'm assuming it's a he. I'm sorry if it's a she. Um, what what that person is doing with this um, this Elliot's journal. So Southern Cynic, why don't you kind of give our listeners, if they don't know what the Red Wheelbarrow is, kind of give them a short synopsis without you know kind of spoiling um, everything. Um, with what that is? Well, it's, without spoiling it, um, it's... Okay, forget it. <laughs> don't, don't spoil it. Don't spoil it because they it's, might not... It's I mean, a journal from Elliot's time when he entered jail until um, until he departed. Leon gave him... Um, he asked Leon for a journal so he could, you know, have something to do with his time. And he invented this regimen... He has timestamps when he goes through his day. He writes every day at the same time, and it's basically to keep track of what Mr. Robot is doing or not doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
for him. But the book has a lot of um, inserts whenever something's mentioned, like the um, like when he goes to the church group, these uh, strange pamphlets start popping up in his cell, um, the letter from Darlene. Um, it, it has a lot of little interesting things in it, especially with the uh, newspaper clippings for um, the search in the hunt for Tyrell by the FBI, you know. But, um, See, now you're going to make me buy this because it is nice <laughs> to listen to it and Har- Carla, who was narrating it, just talk about, you know, some of the illustrations, but you definitely don't get the inserts. And Sam um, Ishmael wrote it, correct? He wrote The Red Wheelbarrow. So I feel like yes. we can take it as canon, um, yeah, everything he wrote it. that's in there. Yeah, him, uh, Sam, and another uh, writer of the show, uh, Courtney Looney, uh, they both uh, both together collaborated in writing it. Uh, well, my yeah, birthday definitely. is my birthday's next month. FYI, <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually have two. I actually have three copies of this book, so I've been yeah thinking like I should do some giveaways with the with my two other copies. So yeah, oh, let's make that, that happen. Let's do that right. with our um on our Twitter page. That would be fun. That would be fun. Maybe I'll win. Not not right. okay. <laughs> I would never. I would never. I would never ever do that. But um, speaking of how the journal helps him to be regimented, in this first episode, you really see Elliot working hard to rid himself of Mr. Robot, and Mr. Robot is so pissed at Elliot. And um, he says this one line to him. He said. Um, Control is an illusion. And we see Elliot writing this over and over and over in his journal. And I, I think that's just such a powerful statement to come from Mr. Robot because Elliot does try so hard to control so many things through his hacking, um, through his constant need to protect those who are the most vulnerable. Um, but it's really an illusion because he's very much out of control um, with his life knowingly and unknowingly. He's completely out of control. What did you think, um, Akira, about the scene when Mr. Robot gives Elliot the ultimatum and he has the gun to his head? What did you think about that? Um, well, with that, um, you're kind of just thinking, okay, so I guess we know where the gun is um, or do we not know where the gun is. <laughs> Um, which obviously knowing what we know, like, yeah, obviously not. Um, and then just with that whole ultimatum and him just, uh, Mr. Robot, just again, letting his anger go out and just shooting Elliot. Um, you know, it's just, it's the start of the start of this, uh, battle between the two of them for control. So again, with that, you know, that theme of control going throughout the whole season, um, with uh, Mr. Robot wanting to obviously get back to what they started and finishing everything and Elliot um, needing to take that break because, again, he just had this huge revelation. Um, so he kind of wants to distance himself from anything from his previous life, the hacking and mm-hmm. anything like that. But at the same time, it's um, cont- it, it's in more ways than one, so many ways, a battle within himself, not just between him and Mr. Robot, but a battle between Elliot and himself. You know, he's away from hacking and everything. So what is to become of him? 
Um, and as he continues on with this journey, um, but it's definitely a, a great setup um, of the battle for control between Elliot and Mr. Robot, and you're just constantly wondering, okay, how is this going to play out? Um, yeah. And to the point to the point where you're just like, okay, well, they obviously can't coexist, but then you're just wondering, okay, well, how is, you know, well, what's to happen of him? You know, how is he, is he even going to be able to cope without Mr. Robot? Because you imagine from season one that he obviously created Mr. Robot for a reason. So you're just, Mm -hmm. well, one, what is that reason? And then two, if Mr. Robot is to completely go away, how is Elliot going to then cope with that? That's true because, like, Southern Cynic, when we see the scene later in the episode when Gideon comes to visit Elliot and Gideon is basically saying to him, you need to help me because the FBI think that I did that. And if you don't, I'm going to tell them what I know. And we see Mr. Robot in the corner. We see Elliot struggling with, you know, all of these things Mr. Robot is saying to him and I tell you this, when he slits Gideon's throat, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of that? Well, first, well, the killing of the apple thing, they were really ratcheting up the tension of that scene, and I just wasn't expecting that. And no. Yeah. Oh. But then... But then also at the same time, we did just see Mr. Robot shoot Elliot. So, you, I mean, with that, you're kind of like, okay, there is some violent tendency there. Um, but then also knowing that at the same time, this is a side of Elliot. So you're just mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's just, an, it's a really interesting dynamic. So um, also part of you is kind of wondering like, well, gee, like how would this look if it's, you know, how, trying to imagine how this would look and visualizing that it's Elliot in the place of Mr. Robot. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's also something that Elliot has to come to terms with that, you know, that these violent tendencies essentially is him, his mind at work and everything like that. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, Elliot has, I mean, he's in for a tough journey in season two and um you know to to from what we know now a little bit about season season 3 with the theme being disintegration you're just like man if season 2 was a battle of control and season 3 is going to be disintegration get ready because it's going to be oh. a lot <laughs> yeah oh my gosh poor elliot i felt so bad for him i like when he you know when he gets sh- shot in the head he said you know I didn't panic this time. So it's not the first time Mr. Robot did that to him. And, you know, when he, you see him sitting with Gideon and you're seeing the blood slowly running down his face. And I'm thinking maybe he's having migraines. Maybe he's having like these horrendous headaches because of all of this like repressed energy is taken to repress Mr. Robot and just thinking about how it's affecting him physically and all of this. And, yeah, Elliot is is just like in for it in season two, and I I just love this introduction they gave to us because I remember watching it and thinking I want more Elliot in this episode. I feel like I'm not getting enough, but now that I'm rewatching it, yeah, we got enough because <laughs> yeah, it was it was a bit intense. Okay, yeah, so yeah, so let's let's get on to the shenanigans of Miss Darlene. Um. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, Darlene, I, I love her. I need to know more about her. She is so angry. She's so angry. Um, mm-hmm. So the first time we see Darlene, it's it's a hint of Darlene because we see a woman who we don't know at the time jogging, and Darlene is sitting on a bench behind a, a newspaper, I believe, or she's reading something. And then we see this woman enter her home, and it is going crazy. So she is one of those fools with a smart home, someplace I would never, ever live in a totally wired house because of iRobot and because of Terminator. Those are my two reasons I would never live in a home like that. But this woman is there, and her house is going crazy. Akira, how long would it have taken you to leave that house? Uh, probably when the shower starts going off and TVs start turning on. I mean, I mean, come you, on. You would have left if this was a hot shower? Maybe, but then, but like oh. the TV, okay, maybe a couple of glitches, but really, like, as soon as stuff started going, like, yeah, n- no, um, but definitely that scene right there, it's like, uh, if I was thinking about smarting up the house a bit, I think I'll just leave it at the level that it's at. I'm cool with turning on the lights myself, turning on the TV myself. Yeah, I mean, just that scene right there, just going to show how dependent we continue to grow on technology Mm -hmm. and then but also yeah I mean we've always had those moments even when it's something as simple as us sitting in front of our computer and we're just wondering like this thing has a mind of its own because I swear I've met you know I act I went you know I motion instructed the computer to do this and then all of a sudden it decides it wants to do that but man I mean (laughs) <laughs> Talk about a house of horrors, really. With okay. That scene. You you threw me. Southern Cynic, when would you have left that house? Man, I was sitting here <laughs> right down things. Okay, first the pool music cuts out and then the shower. And then you sit you look at the thermostat and it starts moving on its own. Like mm-hmm. how long does all of this have to go on before self preservation kicks in and you decide, huh, maybe I need to get out of here before it turns into a murder house? You know, <laughs> true. <laughs> I mean, you know, she's probably got the knives or something. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, the dishwasher opens and stuff starts spewing out. Um, oh, to be yeah. honest with like, you, the like episode and machine type of situation. See, that stuff totally scares me. When she was swimming and all the lights went out. I am mm-hmm. from the South, and I would have been, like, calling on black Jesus, and I would have been out of there. <laughs> I would have been out of there. <laughs> yeah, and then, oh, my God. And then it's just so funny with her on the phone with who she imagines is the IT person, and they're telling her, well, they're trying to talk her through everything. And she's like, I can't unplug anything. It's all connected inside the walls. And it's like, what? Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 But, you know, she was thinking, how much did I pay for the smart home package? Oh, God. Yeah, no. There are other things that money could have yeah. gone to. And then she's like, oh, I have to go invest it in Greenwich. <laughs> Okay, heifer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, sorry, your second home, blah, blah, blah. 
so that so that was all, you know, the brilliance of Miss Darlene to basically take over this woman's home um, and make that kind of their safe house. Um, and you know, you can kind of tell from um, Darlene that this is probably not the first time that they've done this. Um, Darlene has basically stepped into the the shoes of Mr. Robot slash Elliot, and now she is in charge of, I'm just, the resistance of society. Um, What did you think about seeing her in this powerful role and kind of how she was leading much more forcefully, I think, than we saw her last season? What did you think, Southern Cynic? Well, to me, it it was just a mask she was putting on. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the show because we see that she's just broken down. She's weary. She's tired of it all, but she's having to endure this. So is she doing it to carry on what Elliot started? Or, you know, does she have some other agenda in mind? Because, I mean, knowing what we know later on, mm-hmm. she picked that house. She picked that person. You know, yeah. But, uh, I mean, I, I think it was great that we got to see that Darlene had a moment of weakness. Mm-hmm. You can't be strong yeah. all the time, you know. Yeah, yeah. But also, um, you know, to go to, I mean, if anything, yeah, we got to see that moment of weakness that she would never let anyone else see it. But at the same time, through her actions, you can still see that, she, you know, you're you're just pretty much trying to keep it together as much as you can because someone that she relies on so much, Elliot, is not there. So she is left alone essentially to handle this whole thing, this whole aftermath by herself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so that's a burden that she has too where, um, you know, um, she's had moments, um, it was one episode in season one um, right before the hack was supposed to happen and she's telling him, yeah, you know, I can't actually handle things myself, you know, not that you care. Um, so it's pretty much her, this is pretty much her opportunity to step up to the plate. And I think not so much prove it to others, but essentially to prove it to herself that she can step up and be the leader that she thinks herself to be. I'm hoping that in season three, we get to learn some more about what was it like for Darlene growing up in that house? Um, because the most of season one, we didn't even know Darlene and Elliot were related. Um, and now that after we did and kind of hearing things that he said happened to him, and I rem- I was listening to the Red Wheelbarrow, and he was talking about um, the first time we see Darlene visiting him, how he kind of questioned to himself how effed up was she from their childhood. Like Elliot didn't even know. Um, how messed up Darlene is from the experiences she's had. And, and you can kind of see because, the you know, we know find out later in the episode that the woman whose house they've taken over is Susan Jacobs. She's the chief counsel for E-Corps, and they call her the executioner because she's good at killing lawsuits. And it's usually lawsuits of people like their parents and Angela's family. Um, that she's basically killing with what she's doing. So I'm 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 hoping in season three that we get more of what's going on with Darlene. Um, 
But speaking of that, we see this great scene with them cutting the balls off the bull um, <laughs> and taking pictures of that. And then we see Darlene um, meeting with Mobley, and they are continuing their resistance, basically. Um, the 5-9 the attack was just the first step. So she is moving forward with what I believe is a rat, or she's using a rat. Am I wrong? Am I right with that? I did pause it and look at the screen, but I, I couldn't decipher. Uh, I, I think, but so she's basically um, extorting um, Evil Core for $5.9 million. Um, so yeah. let's let's talk about that scene. So what did you think about the scene with the three talking about this um, this demand for five point nine million dollars? What did you think about that, Akira? Well, I thought that if anything, it's definitely pretty much typical um, typical major conglomerate. Um, you know, five point nine is just the the condescension that the condescension that they have, they're in the middle of this crisis. They're trying to figure out on one hand, how are they going to come out of it? And at the same time, they've got the hackers coming at them for 5.9 million. And they're like, is that all they want? Um, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, you know, uh, Miss Madam execution executioner even is like, that's pocket change that, you know, that's change that we find in, in between the seats of the couch for us. And again, I mean, it's just moments like this in the scene that as a viewer that you're just like, seriously, F society is not done with you. I want them to take you down a notch even more, you know, just keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, because again, just that condescension of, um, you mm-hmm. know, and, that, and, and, but the fact that they're even debating it, they're like, should we do it? Should we not do it? Or even just debating who is going to do it. Um, and then we see, um, Scott Knowles just volunteered himself to be like, no, I'll do it. I'm this, you know, the CTO. And, um, you know, I want to be the one to go ahead and confront these people. And which, um, I mean, it was pretty ballsy, but at the same time, you're just, you're just, I mean, it's too much bravado. It's just like, can Mm -hmm. you bring it down a notch? Um, But at the same time, I mean, it's, um, Again, a great setup for what actually does end up happening um, once he delivers the ransom. Um, yeah, I can't wait to I can't wait to talk about that next week. Yeah. So, so, so Southern Cynic, I know you've had your issues with major corporations and their greed. So, what did you think about that? Oh, I was I was pleased, but like Akira said, it's the the condescension of it the the way they were just like, oh, this is nothing, you know, this is just a drop in the bucket. These are pennies. Mm-hmm. I, <clears throat> I can imagine the CEOs sitting in their big high towers doing exactly that, you know. But um, with Scott, <laughs> Scott, I just wanted him to get his come up and so bad. I, I never liked Scott. It's just something about his arrogance that just mm-hmm. irks me so much, and I was – like, oh, yes, he's stepping up to the plate. That means he's going to have a hard fall down, and I can't wait to see it. And I was so grateful I, for that. I feel like Scott should just be happy he still has a job, first of all, because, you know, he's supposed to be the chief technology officer, and this happened on his watch. So um, 
hello, you need to be trying a little bit harder. And also, the, the talking about the major corporations, so this attack happens and Elliot and um, F Society thinks they're going to erase everyone's debt. It's going to be great. And what we see in the previous scene basically is um, this woman is, I'm assuming, at the bank, and she's trying to prove that she's paid off her mortgage. And the corporation is like, we don't know if you actually did it because our records are gone. You could have just forged this. And, you know, as a as a just regular person, I'm feeling this woman's pain like, oh, my God, they're going to make her pay her whole mortgage again. And then she says, just give me my money. And they're like, we don't know how much money you have because all the records are gone. And, you know, you think about, we talk about technology and all this stuff. And, you know, I don't even keep, like, don't tell my mama, but I don't even keep, like, a check register anymore. Like, my mom still writes down every check that she writes and she balances her checkbook. Like, I don't do that because it's all online and I check it online. But I could definitely be in this woman's situation where you might have to prove something and think about, as a normal person, could you even prove it? So it was that scene was very scary to me as just a typical, you know, trying to work hard so you can pay your bills type of person. Um, I don't know. Maybe that was just me. What did you guys think when you saw the scene in the bank? What did you think, Southern Cynic? Um, well, it makes me wonder, what was the special that they had, the hour-long special about the, um, you know, with all the consultations and things that they did behind the scenes? Mm-hmm. Um, I, they were, I thought they mentioned that this is something that could probably happen. Maybe. Mm-hmm. If somebody mm-hmm. was determined enough, they could make it happen. Can you imagine waking up tomorrow and everything you worked for since you got out of high school is gone? It's deleted. Mm-hmm. You don't have any money. Um, you don't have records of it. Nobody knows what happened. I just, uh, it, it's kind of scary to think that that one day that could happen. You know, and and what could you do to recover from it? Nothing. You're keep you keep have cash on hand. <laughs> keep cash on hand. That's it. <laughs> it's like I don't even. My mom is always getting on to me because, like, I'm going on a trip tomorrow for work, and she always says, do you have cash? And I'm like, Mom, I never have cash. I don't operate in cash. If if I'm going to a store and they won't accept my debit card, then I don't need to be there. But, like, just what you said, if something happens and, you know, your debit card doesn't work, ATMs are down, you have no cash on hand, what would you do? Oh, my gosh, I'm just going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> what do you? What did you think about that scene, Akira? I mean, with the storm coming and everything, uh, I mean, this is the life I live. You know, being on the coast, they always tell you when the storm is in the Gulf, or you know, when summer comes around, get you some mm-hmm. cash on hand because once the power goes out, you can't go to the bank, or if the bank's mm-hmm. destroyed, well, how are you going to get your yeah. money? Yeah, that's a good point. That's <laughs> a good then, point. Yeah, and also having, um, yeah, having a I remember going through Hurricane Andrew and the aftermath of that. I mean, just having, you know, sim- you know, similarities to what was going on there, the long lines and waits to even get into the grocery store or anything like that. I mean, you literally feel like, you know, the 
way of life, as you know, it has just completely come to a standstill and you're just like figuring mm-hmm. out, okay, how do we, like something that, things that were just so every day are now just completely thrown off the rails for you because you're just like, well, you can't go back to that right now. You got to do it this way until things essentially somewhat get back to normal. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's really crazy to think about it. I mean, every day, I mean, you just hear things more and more about what people are capable of. And especially with Miss, you know, it's one thing that Mr. Robot has taught me, Basically, if someone is determined enough, they can make it happen. They can get your information. So mm-hmm. trying to be as diligent as possible and as proactive as possible to protect yourself as much as possible. Um, yeah. I mean, it's really scary. I mean, it's a really, I mean, the, it's really scary what you think, pe- what you can imagine that people are cap- that people are capable of. And I really wish. I mean, I know it's never going to happen, but I mean, I remember hearing, uh, seeing panels of uh, Corradonna um, and a couple of other people um, who handle all the technical aspects, the hacking aspects of the show, and they're sitting there thinking, okay, well, here's a situation that needs to happen. How can we actually make that happen in a hack? And then if they test it out, and then if that doesn't work, they think, okay, well, what's another way that we can do it in order to make that work? I mean, just the way that the minds function, I'm just like, in awe, really, and terrified at the same time that that is capable to do the unimaginable, I would just say, because whatever I haven't imagined, I'm pretty sure that they have. Yeah, it it is. And and we kinda and we will see that fallout throughout episode, throughout season two. We do see the struggles that the everyday man have with the fallout from the attack and all of the things that we're saying, we kind of see this in the background, in the periphery, but um, we are going to get to experience that as viewers. But I don't want us to end on a down note. Um, I did want to um, mention one thing. We had a nice um, conversation in the DMs yesterday about Mr. Rami Malik, who is also known as the Pocket Prince. Um, Miss Southern Cynic likes to call him her pocket prince. And we were talking about the fact that um, Rami also has a twin brother. I'm not going to go too deeply into that conversation, listeners, because it um, descended into filth, as um, things are known to do. But I did want to ask Miss Southern Cynic, um, why won't you share those Malik brothers? She refuses to share. It's it's not that I don't want to share. It's that I want to go first. <laughs> <laughs> you can have my second. You know, when I'm done, you know, you, you can take over. But um, I'm gonna have to go first. I'm gonna need at least 36 hours, maybe a couple of drinks first. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> you kill me. Oh, gosh. Okay, okay. I don't want nobody's sloppy seconds. I just wanted one of the brothers. But um, you can have your pocket prints. I might have to fight you for his brother or wrestle or something. You know, we can do what? The other, and then we'll switch back and forth. Not at the same Mm. time. You know, no. 
Okay. We don't yeah. we don't we don't have to meet in the DMs and talk about this some more. But um I think we are going to wrap it up for tonight. And um we just wanna thank um some special folks. I would like to give a shout out to At Brothers Comics because this podcast is part of the At Brother Brothers Comics podcast family. And I would also like to send send a special shout out to at Indube on Twitter. He is the host of the At Food Fight podcast, and he has done a lot to boost us. And so we just wanted to send some appreciation. So if you think that pineapple does not belong on pizza, if you think sweet grits are trash, you should check out the At Food Fight podcast. So um, I am C. Talene, and do you want to sign off, Akira? Um, yeah, I mean, this has been a fun debut podcast. Uh, <laughs> even with the whole YouTube bringing up your discussion of the Malik brothers, and I'm like, no, I'm like, this is exactly how it went down in the DMs with me. Like, oh my god. Okay, but, but yeah, um, yeah, everybody can find me um, at Hello Friend. Um, H3LL0FRI3ND1, um, you know, running the uh, running a fan, Mr. Robot fan community, and yeah, just coming at you with a bunch of news as it happens. Um, and yeah, that's where you can find me. And yeah, be, yeah, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. All right, Southern Cynic, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on the Twitters at Southern Cynic. Um, we also have a Twitter account for the podcast. Um, do you have a do you have a name? We just set it up. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's at on. You can just search for Unmasked Podcast, and you will find us. We would love it if you follow. We love it if you just drop us a line, let you know what you think, give us some suggestions. We can take critiques. So you can find this podcast through at Brothers Comics. We are on iTunes. SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and wherever quality podcasts are sold. So we will see you next week. Thank you, ladies. Welcome. Bye.